We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me and Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. On the show today we have Elliot, who is Yankee Gunner on Twitter. We also have James, who is Fanatic 49 and Paul, posing in my pants. Um, they talk about the Stoke game. But before that, I just want to have a few words about the Stoke game. Well, that's a complete lie. I don't really want to have a few words about the Stoke game because, well, I don't really like talking about Arsenal when we lose. Um, but this is the thing about doing a post-match podcast. Um, you are you have to face face these things, and I didn't think about this at the time. Yeah, we were awful. We were really poor. I thought uh, that was by far, in my opinion, the our worst performance of the season, especially the first half. I don't know what was going on with us at all. Um, obviously, our defending was poor from the very beginning, and we weren't very fluid going forward. They were quite obvious, but what I noticed um, was was the fact that we weren't willing to make any challenges in the midfield area, especially the midfield area. The point in the first half, and you need to watch it again. Why are we not tackling? Why are we not going into fifty fifties? We'd lost every ball, and we just didn't really seem like we wanted to wanted, wanted to, have to roll our sleeves up and fight. Maybe I don't know if it's an excuse or if it's if it's a fact or what. Maybe we've just played too many too many games in a short space of time with the players that we have available. Because only only recently, against Dortmund, for example, like we were really high tempo, um, really committed to winning the ball back quickly and breaking fast, and it, and it really worked. At West Brom, it was much of the same. And then, uh, you know, uh, we, we weren't quite as high tempo against Southampton. So maybe the players we have 
didn't have enough depth at the time, or maybe not enough rotation, I don't know. But we just didn't seem up for it. You know, I mean, I, I hear that a lot. You know, when Arsenal lose a game, you know, you, you, Arsenal, fan, Arsenal fan TV, for example, you get so many fans saying, oh, there's not enough commitment, there's not enough, um, the players didn't want it enough and all that. Yeah, you hear that a lot. And most of the time, that's just actually nonsense, really. But this time, it did seem that way. Maybe I'll go watch it again and see what happens. But that was really disappointing, that was. And just let, let the first half just go past us. And uh, it was pretty feeble, really. And our defending was shocking. It was really weird, though. In that second half, as far as I was concerned, Stoke went 4-0 up. And there wasn't a point where I noticed that the goal didn't count. I don't know if my stream went... If I turned away, um, I, have not, I don't remember doing that. All of a sudden, it said 3-0 on the, score, on the scoreboard. Why did it say 3-0? I thought it just was a mistake. I even posted a tweet on Twitter about it. A picture of the time. And then we scored two goals. It was really weird. So from four down in my head to, to like 3-2 down, I thought, right, you know, we're 3-2 down now. We're going to go for it. We're going to get equalised. We might have a chance of winning the game. Then Callum Chambers got sent off for, for, for what looked like just... a a normal foul like why would why, why is that a booking why is that a second booking why it wasn't a second booking and he, he knew that as well but hey who knows um but yeah I know obviously it isn't the referee's fault that we didn't win the game obviously but it's just frustrating that you know after scoring two goals in a short period of time had a chance to, to like to keep going and try and turn the game around and that was taken away from us but yeah overall it was awful and um yeah I, I don't know what's next now because we we've got a lot of injuries at the moment we can't rotate too much and obviously we need to rotate it seems um I think the players are doing too much and it's taking its toll who knows who knows well, we're going to be rotating in midweek that's for sure can't play um, all of our players in that game in a game which doesn't really matter I think we're qualified anyway and uh, see how things go after that but enough whinging and moaning for now I'm going to hand you over to the guys whose who's conversation is far more interested in my, my bleating so here they are Stick on the pig that was the Stoke performance. My name is Elliot Smith. You can follow me at Yankee Gunner on Twitter. And this is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, uh, post-mass suicide podcast, potentially as well. Um, <laughs> we're recording directly after the Stoke game. We will try to keep it brief because there's not a whole lot of good things to say. And most of it's been covered in previous post-match recordings, unfortunately. We are joined, as ever, by the delightful and ever uh, uh, upbeat James. You can find him at GoonerFanatic49 on Twitter. James, welcome. Yeah, delight to be here, Elliot. As I imagine you would be. And once again, welcoming back Paul. Uh, I'm not in the mood to make the joke about his Twitter handle, so I'll just tell it to you. It is Poznan in my <laughs> pants. Um, if you want to hear the bad jokes I usually make, feel free to listen to any of our previous podcasts. So uh, let's get into it right away. Uh, usually we start with a man of the match. I don't think uh, there's even a point in doing that. What I would like to do is talk about the first half initially and sort of who we think hurt us the most. And I'm going to give you um, players from which to choose, James. So of the 11 starters, who was most terrible? Um, it's very difficult to handpick a, 
single individual given how poor the performance was from back to front. Um, I mean, obviously looking at the lineup, one of the biggest issues going into the game was having to start Bellerin at right back and moving Chambers across to the centre. And without really trying to pick on the the young kid, he really didn't have the greatest of games. And, um, you know, even aside from his pure individual performance, I think that selection or sort of forced selection um, was really one of our major undoings, having having gone into this game with three fantastic sort of defensively solid performances. It was such a shame to see the absolute opposite being dis- on, put on display today. Um, I mean, even just seeing sort of Mertzsacker, he looked like a completely different individual alongside Chambers um, compared to um, his last game when playing with Koscielny. I mean, the whole thing... I'm, I mean, I think just about everyone had a pretty poor game. Um, but yeah, defensively, certainly um, that was where most of the issues lay. Yeah, um, Paul, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say the back four was a shambles. And, and interestingly, um, you know, it was the Bellerin Chambers solution that people were, or some people were banging for when Monreal was being deputized at center back. And I think now we all wish Monreal was fit to play center back. But um you know, I, I think we could point fingers at, at the midfield and at Olivier Giroud to some extent, and we'll get to that. But um, for you, I mean, do, do you think it, it was really Bellerin that, that cost us in the first half? Do you want to maybe put some of the extra onus on Chambers? What did, what did you, I mean, Mertesacker didn't do himself any, any favors either. What did you think was most dis- discouraging about the first half performance? Oh, the horror. Hmm. Um yeah, I, I really do think this is one of those games where you just can't pick one player, but you could pick them all. But certainly, uh, I mean, if you look at the back five, I mean, uh, you know, for all the talk about Martinez, uh, I'm not going to slam him at all. I think he's done great. But you could see even in the three goals, not that he could have stopped any one of them, but he could have been a little bigger in mm-hmm. the defending of each one of those goals stood up a little bit more maybe he would have got one of them maybe that confidence even from martinez out to the other four players or the the lack of understanding that lack of confidence you know i mean people we've heard all these great speeches about chesney is shite and he doesn't command the box well does was there any sense of command there today now i'm not putting it on martinez but he was if you look at the back five gibbs you know, Gibbs is Gibbs. He's solid. We love him, though. I think it was the second goal came from his wing, and we could have done with a better challenge there. But if you go across the other four of the back five, you got Mertesacker played out of position and without Kishelny can often look ugly, like really, really ugly. Uh, yeah. Chambers, um, you know, <laughs> we talk about his early red cards and leading to a suspension later on you know, four or five games or six games out. Well, we didn't have to wait too long for that. Um, Bellerin, I mean, this was not the game you play Bellerin. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him against Montero, uh, whatever, four or five games ago. But Jesus against... Now, these these changes were, I guess, forced. I I didn't follow all the pre-match stuff. So I'm assuming Monreal couldn't play. I'm assuming... Uh, you know, Kishelny's Achilles is in danger territory, and they didn't have a lot of options. But this was just 
you can, you can take four of the back five, in other words, exclude Gibbs, everybody else, uh, you know, had a horrible game, didn't know each other, hasn't played in those positions. I know that's not entirely true, but there's, there's a certain amount of lack of confidence in each other, especially at such a fall down from Mergesacker and Kashalny, and finally we've rediscovered ourselves and, and certainty of the back, and then four out of the five are either shuffled or or uh you know just you know Bellerin against Stoke what a mismatch yeah I'm yeah like, I mean I'll, look I'll, I'll breathe now yeah I I tweeted during the match that the mess at the back is a disaster of our own making and it's well tread well covered ground at this point um but unfortunately every time it comes back to haunt us it, you know it's hard not to acknowledge that we started this season without adequate cover at the back and we knew it might cost us and it is costing us. And so it seems redundant to continue to discuss it, but we're forced to continue to discuss it because it continues to cost us. Um, You know, especially given that Kashani's injury wasn't a surprise. It was known and and it's chronic. Um, You know, I actually thought as much stick as Bellerin took and, and, and I think it's deserved. I thought Chambers was really, really poor. And I think this is a reminder to everyone who thinks that Chambers is the future at center back that as great as he's been at right back in the last few games, this is still a very young player. This is a player who's basically never played center back. And aside from being tall, we have no indication that he can play center back. And as Naveen, uh, who was on the last podcast and likes to talk tactics and think about things slightly more uh, intellectually than I do, uh, because I just like to shout and get angry and and be emotional. Um, you know, what you're doing when you bring Chambers in to keep Chambers on his preferred side is moving Mertesacker to an unfamiliar side. And, you know, it's what happens when you move yep. a right center back to left center back. And Mertesacker looked like a mess. And most people point to the fact that it's because Koscielny wasn't there. But I also think it's because he is never a left-sided center back. He's just, he's not. Uh, he looks very uncomfortable there. <clears throat> but I think if you look at the first half, Chambers sold Mertesacker short once. He just wildly missed the header for uh, their first goal. Let's break down the second goal, though. Is there any, I, I think you can excuse lack of quality. You can excuse unfamiliarity. James, how do you excuse not closing down the crosser and then Mertesacker and Flamini strolling as Boyan sort of glides by them for the finish. I mean, I, I'll, I'll always forgive a lack of talent because it's no one's fault, but how, how do you forgive that goal? Because it looked like a serious lack of concentration and effort. Um, I mean, first of all, I was trying to watch this game on some sort of like shabby stream that I found in the depths of Twitter. Lucky. Um, probably for, for the best. So my actual, um, the, the number of sort of replays and times I was able to see any of the goals um, wasn't particularly high. But I mean, it's <laughs> why Gibbs wasn't, wasn't pressing onto the crosser. I mean, not even, you know, you mentioned sort of Flamini and, and Murdersecker, um, their lack of ability to get back. I mean, the, the shape of the defence was, was shocking. I mean, at 1-0 down, I mean, that's, um, you know, having already at least, I mean, I guess in, within the first 20 seconds, can maybe talk about how, the team wasn't switched on, which is, which I mean, in itself shouldn't be an excuse. But I mean, 20 minutes into the game to see the, the defense like that was, I mean, was outrageous. It was shocking. I, I mean, you 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 look, you look at that game and, um, you know, okay, obviously there was the the, uh, the two goals that we we pegged back before Chambers got sent off. But even outside of the goals that we conceded, we could have we could have lost that game fairly comfortably. The, the, I mean, the defense was a shambles. Um, I, I I I can't give you a reason as to why. In particular, 
for that 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 got that second goal, Flamini and Mertesacker were where they were, and why Gibbs wasn't pressing. But um, we clearly looked, um, we we clearly just didn't have the same confidence in 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 the back four as as, as the previous couple of games, and um, that minor change really seemed to um, be be much of our undoing, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean. One of the things we saw today was Olivier Giroud off the back of a super sub appearance get the start in favor of Danny Welbeck, and it may have just been a case of um, uh, just resting Welbeck, I mean, who has played a lot, and I think he was one of the players that Arsene Wenger said might be in the red along with Sanchez, but of course he was started. Um, Paul, Giroud had the kind of day today that is why I get very frustrated by him He'd collect the ball in positions where he could create a chance for himself and flick it to no one. Um, it wasn't sticking. He was making the most of every contact and going down instead of, you know, fighting to win the ball. He was he was shrugged off the ball too easily. And then, of course, with a chance to make it 1-1 with 80 minutes still to play, he misses arguably our best chance of the game, aside from the magic Sanchez work to create a chance he then spurned. What did you think of Giroud's performance? How big a miss do you think that first one was? And and in general, you know, how do you think his performance in the first half influenced the, the scoreline at halftime? All right. So the eighty minutes was the header. The yeah, the far post, okay. the far yeah. post header. Yeah. When I guess it was was it Bellerin who showed the pace to get there. Maybe it was Oxley Chamberlain. I can't remember. Someone got to the end line yeah, and Bellerin. dug out a cross. Bellerin and and. And he was free at the far yeah. post and headed it yeah, wide. Yeah, yeah, that hurt. Um, to be fair, though, all these unmissable chances, I think I've said this before, I think they're actually highly missable and all sorts of good players miss them. But but while I defend him there, I mean, all, overall, he had a terrible game. Uh, I was very concerned when I didn't see Welbeck playing uh, because of the pace, because of his physicality, because of his size. Um, I would have loved to have seen our starting three be. Uh, it's really hard on uh, hard on Oxide Chamberlain, but I would have loved to have seen Welbeck, Giro, and Sanchez as our front three, just because of who we were up against. Those mm-hmm. uh, a team full of yaks. I mean, at, at one stage, you know, at what whatever that was when they brought was it Huthan at the end. I'm like, well, they've substitute substituted. Uh, their smallest player for a freaking yak. And, <laughs> you know, that's who Stoke is. So um, I wanted to see uh, Welbeck on for that reason and for pace. I thought Giroud, this was like one of his worst games. And, uh, I mean, overall, I like Giroud, but I just, there's a third of his game that's missing for me, that pace, that that danger in behind that Welbeck can provide either alongside him or, or instead of him. And what you expect from Giroud is touches, flicks, connections, passes, hold a play, and uh, he's yeah, not don't, alone. Don't but forget dummies to no one. We saw that today, Dummies too. to no one. He oh, that well, one. he had those going, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not in a – I'm trying to hold back on, on our boys – uh, but he was, I mean, nothing worked for him, especially in the first half. But anyway, nothing worked for him today. And, and so. if we're trying to be fair to him, I think we can point to the fact that he is still back from a very, very long injury yep. layoff. Um, but, you know, if, if you're fit enough to start, you have to take responsibility for it. And and it was a poor game and the miss was not down to fitness. I mean, that, that miss is just something we've seen with Giroud from time to time, which is 
in the big spot with a chance to make an important impact, he's he's often failed to do it. And, and it's unfortunate that that happened again today. Um, one of the things we are trying to do on this podcast, uh, and we will integrate this better hopefully in the future, is uh, bring in some Twitter interaction. And we are using the hashtag Arsenal Vision Podcast. Arsenal Vision Podcast. So uh, throughout the course of the match, if you want to tweet to that, we will look at your opinions uh, or questions and then respond to them either uh, with nodding agreement or ridicule. I want to uh, turn it over to you, James, and uh, Alan Rennie on Twitter, who has the bizarre Twitter handle, Alan Rennie. That's A-L-A-N-R-E-N-N-I-E. Um, basically says, we lacked fight and spirit in midfield. Flamini, Ramsey, and Santi had a terrible, uh, a terrible spine to play away to Stoke. And I think it's fair. You know, Santi came alive in the second half, and I think that was as much a part of our resurrection as Welbeck's contribution and also maybe a little bit of fortune. But um, certainly in the first half and, and throughout the match, the, the midfield just once again didn't seem to function. I mean, James, is it time for us to start getting creative with, it, with a different midfield? I know you believe that Ramsey... Uh, has been contributing more than I see, but based on the eye test, that midfield is not functioning. Um, it's not It's not linking up with the front three. At times it was miles apart from the, the back four and there were no there was no link between the back four and the midfield to create attacks. What's your opinion on how the midfield functioned today and is it time to start getting creative with, with alternatives there? Um, well, firstly, the midfield was certainly supremely dysfunctional today. I mean, I think we've seen we've seen sort of patches of form from from Santi and uh, to a certain degree Ramsey, at least in my opinion. Um, but they they both regressed back quite significantly in today's game, and I think that was in part to do with just how poor the side was. I mean, to go to go down so quickly in the game, it's um, you know was was a big blow for us, and I don't think we we responded to that well at all. Um, yeah, I mean, also you go you go to the Britannia Stadium and you have Flamini in the middle. Who, you know, he he talks a lot about you know, Arsenal, you know, adding some sort of physicality to the side. But he is but a terrier. He's a he's kind of an annoying yap dog who who runs around a lot. Um, and you know, when he's playing well, covers um, various pockets of space and um, in the defensive third of the Arsenal pitch quite well. But aside from that, he's not he's not a particularly physical character, as feisty as he may be. Um, Santi's so, uh, far, far from it uh, um, at the sort of height of five seven or however tall he is, and I mean even even Ramsey who 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 you know regardless of his performance tends to put in a good shift and and does add some sort of I guess defensive steel to the midfield. Um, he's hardly a big lad, and we seem to get we were certainly we seem to be outmuscled in the middle. We seem to have a major disconnect between our back, to, between sort of the back line to the to the midfield to the forwards. There was, as you said, far too much space between the lines. I mean, the midfield was as bad as the defense was. I mean, the midfield was was just as bad. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly after today's performance, you'd you'd like to think that there would be some sort of creative solution to the otherwise uninspiring midfield, but you you look to our current options on the bench, and I'm not sure, aside from maybe bringing in Rosicki for Santi, um, or being supremely creative and, and jogging Diaby <laughs> back into um, the action. I, I just don't really know what else we can really do since the team is kind of picking itself, unless you want to you know go to a more... You, you can look to Joel Campbell and Podolski, etc., but they're, they're more attacking options. 
maybe bring Alex into the middle, but I don't think he, I don't think he's the type of central midfielder that, that sort of midfielder that connects the defense to the attack. I think it was, you know, it was partly. I mean, of, what what about a Thomas Rosicky? I, I mean, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I think we we did re-sign him. <laughs> we did re-sign him. I. I, I would be inclined to bring in Rosicki, but I would probably be more inclined to bring him in for for a Santi than an Aaron Ramsey, personally. Um, I think he he suits that role far better than um, the kind of the, the deeper midfield alongside our, our defensive enforcer, uh, where Ramsey plays. Um, I mean, is is there any argument for you know moving Rosicki and Oxlade Chamberlain in there and and giving Cazorla and Ramsey a rest or <laughs> I mean, listen. There's an argument for it, yes, but I mean, as bad as today's performance was, let's not forget that playing in front of a defense that was as destabilized as it was, which is, a, you know, a major issue in this squad at the moment. Don't take me wrong, but we're still, you know, you still got to take into the, the account the, the previous games that we've we've played in the midfield, albeit there's been certain, um, certain individual performances that haven't been great as such. It was starting to look a lot better between um, uh, sort of linking up the uh, the play to the forward. So I don't I don't think just off the back of one loss we need to be making drastic changes. Certainly not in the midfield. I think the biggest issue for this midfield today was um, was just how little confidence we were able to uh, gain from from such an unstable back line. And I think that just destabilised the rest of the team and is is part of why is you know part. Partly to do with how poor every you know nearly every single individual that that put on an Arsenal shirt was today. Yeah, uh, uh, Paul, you know, um, you know, Arson did make the halftime change. He 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 took Bellerin off, which I thought was basically kind to the kid. But you wonder what his future, at least for this season, is now, um, and how the manager is going to trust him going forward. Um, you know, I joked that Carl Jenkinson would have been useful this season. Um, you know, but obviously I think the manager expected it to be Debussy at right back and Chambers backing him up, uh, which certainly begs the question who we thought was going to be backing up the center back, but that's another issue. Um, <clears throat> as far as the second half goes, was the performance, I, I mean, it was better, but I, I, you know, I think there was some suggestion that we played well the second half and I'm not necessarily convinced we were, I think Stoke was happy to sit deep. Um, I think that they, they lost their legs a little bit, as you'd expect. I, I think they were somewhat, you could argue, unfairly denied a fourth goal because even though that's a borderline call, once that goal is given, it's very rare that you would see the referees confer and, and take it away. Do you think that the second half gave us reason for, for optimism coming off, off this? Was a ray of hope, or do you think it was sort of a false dawn? Did, what did you take away from, from the performance in the second half? Uh, no, I don't th think it gave us any reason for optimism. Um, but I'll blend that into your previous kind of trying to diagnose what the issue was question. I think another side, uh, you know, and imagine, I'm not talking about this year's Chelsea because they can actually be, you know, their cover at the back once you get a few injuries is a little light too. A more robust team would have survived the first half by going down a goal or maybe two, we went down three and it and could be more. Four, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the issue here. You know, for me, you know, we talked about Bellerin and I don't know that I put as much blame on Bellerin out of that whole morass 
of horribleness. Um, and that's just talking about the defense, let alone the whole. Yeah, team. no. For for me, I think Chambers had a worse first half than Bellerin. Yeah, but, but I, yeah, I mean, neither. And, exactly and again, it, it's part of a system. And how do you, you, you know, if if a few people have a bad game, but when everybody plays bad, I, I just, you know, uh, 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 you need a better mind than mine to really work out who the problem was because it's a connected system. To me, the issue was we were so horrible uh at the back that a terrible terrible first half and lots of teams of terrible first halves where the passes go astray you know we're playing at the britannia they're a big team they actually played really well everything they did in the first half worked that happens the the issue is that you go down three goals and the the other issue being horrible but Wait, we should have gone down but but is some of this yeah. Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, not using the squad better? I mean, does the manager have to look at the? I mean, I, I realize there was some rotation at the back, but that was more enforced rotation and, and not the kind we want to be making, frankly, because we don't have the ability to rotate there. But is Matthew Flamini someone who can play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday at the base of midfield? Can you justify, you know, putting Alexis out there 90 minutes every single game or, or, um, you know, even Aaron Ramsey and Sandy Cazorla. I mean, do you get a fresher, slightly better performance from hungry players who haven't been given their opportunity? And maybe to your point, only go down a goal or two, or maybe you ship three, but score one and you are able to, to recover it. I mean, is is this a fatigue and, and poor squad management issue? Maybe, but Chelsea have played seven or eight players pretty much every game. All season. Well, their results have suffered, right? I mean, they have a nil-nil draw recently, and they lost at Newcastle. Yeah, but they didn't go down 3-0. Well, they're just a better... So, the, those players that they're playing more frequently are better than the players. I mean, Matic is better than Flamini, and Sesk is better than everybody in the history of the universe. And, you know, I mean, you can go yeah. through the whole team, and Terry and Cahill, and, you know... Yeah, if you're playing better players regularly, better players when fatigued will outperform lesser players when fatigued. I just, I just wonder if yeah, but, if, but if they, some of this is so fatigue. In, in rotation terms, they've ro we've rotated them to death on a comparative mm -hmm. basis. Fair. And while I, while I think there's mileage in your point, I think that for me, right, we, we all come at this stage. We're mostly emotion about it, and we'll we'll have a couple of days, and maybe we'll get a bit more logical. For me. The, the feeling I come away with was a ro more robust side would have rode out the first half and conceded one or two goals and played better in the second half. And unfortunately, we had kids in the back, people played out of position, four or five players either too, you know, uh, I'll use the term too young, but too young when you have five players who are too young, too young and, and if not played out of position. And in, instead of going down one or two goals, they started really brightly and we let in everything that came our way and went down three goals, could have been four. And everybody else played horribly and it all, you know, stuff leaks from one side to the other, from the defense to the midfield yeah. to the attack. And you can have a horrible day, but if you're not robust at the back, you'll do an arsenal and you go 3-0 down. Well, and let's keep fingers crossed that Debushi and or Koss are fit next weekend because Chambers uh, won't be available. He picked up two yellows today. He now has more yellow cards than any Arsenal player had for the entire season last season and the most yellow cards in the Premier League. Um, well, 
you know, he obviously has some work to do on learning how and when to, to make a challenge. And that'll lead to the next point, James. Um, you know, there was some debate about his second yellow, whether it should have been a red. And a lot of people on the Internet are having their usual go at Anthony Taylor. But I thought that Taylor did what Taylor does, which is he officially officiated poorly. Having said that, you could argue the two biggest calls he had to make in this game, a penalty shout for us and a goal, a, a potentially dubious goal for them, went in our favor. He gave us a penalty, which is one goal, and he chalked off a goal for them, which is two goals. So in my mind, yes, Anthony Taylor was poor today, but on the balance of it, it was a plus two goal swing for us with big decisions he made. You want to make any argument that Anthony Taylor cost us this game or was, was the problem of this game, or you, you think we cost us this game? No, I mean, Anthony Taylor had a, an absolutely appalling game, but... I don't think he, he certainly wasn't the reason why we lost. Um, in fact, I do tend to agree with you that, you know, his, the decisions that were the, the big decisions did go, I mean, the two big decisions, did go slightly in our favor. Although I must confess, I, I, I still haven't seen the foul for the penalty as my stream cut out for about five minutes. I mean, it's period. arguably a penalty, but I, I think the point is, you know, we've been denied arguable penalties plenty of times. You know, people aren't happy with the Chambers' second yellow, and some people wanted a red for Charlie Adam, uh, which I don't think ever was really going to happen. But the point is that, um, you know, he, he, we were plus two in goals on, on decisions that led directly to goals, you know. Right, right. I mean, listen, I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, he, but he, 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 great. He, had a, he had a terrible game, but it's, it's easy for us to, you know, want to find – an excuse as to why, as to why we played so poorly, or you know why we incurred such uh, demoralizing defeat. But I mean, you, you you can't tie that into the referee's performance. Like, yeah, I mean, I would I would argue that not, neither of you know both of Chambers' challenges that you know gave him a, a yellow card could on another given day he might have not even got a single booking. But uh, you know, I mean, that's I think that's completely irrelevant to the to, to sort of the the shape of the game and the picture of the game because. This is this is something that's 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 part of the or seems to be part of the Premier League, um, and if you're if you're talking about this from a Stoke fans' point of view, you, so you, you came away with a win despite the the sort of decisions that, ta that that Taylor had made. I mean, I think, I I mean I'm 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 I I just don't think it, it, it's even worth sort of discussing um, the referee's decisions because I don't think I I don't think that was at all the reason why um, we came away with the loss. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. And, and Paul, unless you have something to add about that with Anthony Taylor, I, I want to turn to the goals we scored in the second half really quickly and, and our second half performance. I think the reason I am less enamored with our second half performance, and I don't necessarily see it as being a, a tremendous improvement, is first of all, anything compared to the first half was going to seem like a tremendous improvement. But from a chance standpoint, I mean, if you look at it, we got a goal from a penalty, and, and one we deserved. And we got a goal from a, you know, a nice swing of the boot by Aaron Ramsey on a corner kick. We didn't create anything from open play, really. You know, we, we weren't peppering Begovic from open play with, with shots where he was, you know, he was their man of the match in the second half or anything like that. And we made a lot of sloppy mistakes in the second half. We had the Alexis Sanchez foul throw, which admittedly I didn't think was a foul throw. We had the offside from the short corner, which was a killer late in the game. We had, at the very, very end of the game, Santi Cazorla playing a pretty simple cross-field ball over the head of his intended target, who right now it escapes me who that was, and out, out of bounds for a throw-in. I mean, 
I still think there was a lot of sloppiness and frustrating play. I, I remember Gibbs on the overlap getting to the byline and just refusing to use his right foot so much that he carried it out for a, for a goal kick. I mean, were you encouraged by the second half? I mean, I, look, you have to be encouraged vis-a-vis the first half, but were you encouraged by it or or did you did you find it sort of like I did deeply frustrating due to some of the the sort of silly mistakes we made when maybe a better team or a more clinical team would have made the comeback in, in the bigger picture not i didn't find it particularly encouraging obviously we'll come out of today instead of being at like defcon 5 we'll be at defcon 1 or maybe it's the other way around anyway not quite as new nuclear as we would have been uh just because it came close but uh, I'm reminded of two of my own tweets. I know it's a terrible thing to be quoting yourself, but anyway, I do it all half time. I tweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's it's not my fault. Sometimes I tweet great shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So couldn't couldn't, couldn't argue with that. Yeah. All right, go yeah. ahead. Uh, promote yourself. So what did you say? at halftime, I tweeted, "This is going to be a hell of a comeback." Uh, just it was kind of tongue in, tongue in cheek, but you kind of felt it. But my issue at the second half was we had time at the end. We had five minutes of extra time. I have this picture of United Fergie practicing his Fergie time on the training ground. They're doing their aerial bombardments. We didn't really have a... You couldn't see an effective plan for those last five minutes of extra time. Chelsea got their six minutes. I don't know why they got six minutes. I don't know why we only got five minutes. But, you know, today Chelsea weren't very good in extra time. Um, we really weren't very good. Now, we had only 10 men, but I'm not sure that's the greatest excuse on the planet because we didn't need to do any defending to talk about either. So I was pretty frustrated that our 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 closeout game, our closing pitcher, if you want to call it, we just, we just didn't have that game at the end. We were just making shit up and knocking in long balls against a big team. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, look, there were a lot of wasteful touches as the game started to wind down, and and it is what it is. I think, um, you know, we didn't create a ton from open play, um, and ultimately, when you fall behind 3-0, you know, the margins for error are tiny, and we made a lot of errors down the stretch, e- even after we had hauled back two of the goals. So let, let's leave this game behind us, which is probably the best place for it, um, except that from behind us, it can sneak up on us and, and kick us in the back. But... Um, and let's just really, really quickly touch on midweek against Galatasaray. Uh, Paul, stay with you for a second, then we'll go over to James just for a quick thought. I mean, the Galatasaray game arguably won't matter. It's, it is as poor as Dortmund have been. It's hard to see them losing to Anderlecht. If you're the manager, you're putting on your manager hat right now. Are you going hell for leather against Galatasaray also because you feel like you need a good result to lift spirits after this? Or are you finally saying, to hell with that, I've got Newcastle, Liverpool, QPR, West Ham, tons of fixtures coming up um, in December. Rest Sanchez, who desperately needs it. Rest Welbeck. You know, give some guys a break. Which is more? Which is the way you approach that game? Hell for leather or heavy rotation? Uh, medium rotation. Mm-hmm. Homer's middle, Golden Mean, play it down the middle. Uh, he's already said, I think, he's resting Sanchez. Um. You know, Joel Campbell hasn't seen the light of day. Uh, I always picture Thomas Rzyski playing in the Champions League anyway. It's time for some freshening up, a bit of a breather. You know, we had three wins in a row. 
maybe we'll hear a bit about tiredness today or whatever. It's not a great excuse, but maybe we'll hear something about it. I think well, it's to, time to freshen Well, to my point earlier, it. Paul, yeah. if, if you're worried about tiredness and you're going to blame a result on it, then it's incumbent upon you to put a, a team out there that you don't think will play t- play like they're tired. But, you know, it's another issue. I, I agree with that. The comments I've seen so far, Arsenal hasn't used tiredness. Okay. So, well, but but maybe it'll pop up there somewhere. I was expecting it, but I haven't seen it. But, yeah, uh-huh. I think a healthy amount of rotation for Galatasaray and Sanchez needs a breather. What about you, I don't James? Know what we're going to do in defense, though. That's the only thing. Well, we don't I, have, I mean, at least Chambers, that's the real issue. At least we Chambers don't have a lot play. of options. Yeah, yeah, because he won't be banned for Champions League, obviously, although maybe he can pick up a couple of yellows Wednesday and fix that problem. Um, so, James, uh, you, you know, obviously it is a problem. Mertesacker is probably going to have to play again every match. You, you worry if something were to happen to him. Not that he's been brilliant, but it, it all starts to look like a house of cards. Um are, are you rotating everywhere you can for Galatasaray, or do you think, based on this, now we almost need a good performance out there to, to get back on track? Yeah, I think <laughs> instead of this whole sort of buy all the players mantra, we're now moving to sort of rest all the players this Wednesday against Galatasaray. Mm-hmm. I think from, I think with regards to forwards and midfield, I think there's there's certainly enough quality and options available to us to be able to rest the majority of um of the players that have been starting fairly frequently over the last few games in those positions. So that, that doesn't worry me too much. I just, I mean, as Paul mentioned, the issue really lies at the back. Um, I mean, you, you could definitely play Chambers given that he won't be available for Newcastle anyway. I, as you said, I mean, you're probably going to have to play Mertzaker still. I guess you give Bellerin a run out. Um, he might as well play it right back. Uh, maybe give Debussy like 20, 20 minutes towards the end, and then at left back, do you, uh, is there does he was there a young player on the bench today who was able to play left back, or do you have to throw Gibbs in? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I prefer to see Gibbs on the bench, and even if it means sort of sacrificing the result entirely in in Turkey, especially with, with the travelling that's involved. Um, there's no there's no point in worrying but too much about this Galatasaray game aside from you know hopefully avoiding some sort of thumping or demoralize uh, you know humiliating defeat um i'm i think it's just far more important for the team to be focused on on sunday on, on the newcastle game next week and you know rest up and, and and be fully ready and ready to go for that yeah i i think i got to agree with that and and look i mean the, the the interesting thing is i think we're able to be circumspect about the premier league season so far because of frankly how bad the league is you know i wonder if this were a season where liverpool and tottenham and everton were playing more like they probably could and have in seasons past. And, and, and we were already, you know, eight points adrift of fourth or 10 points adrift of fourth. I mean, we are on pace for something absurd, like 52 or 55 points, something like that. You know, I, I wonder what the mood would be and, and what the solution would be. But the reality is Spurs and, and Liverpool drop points again today. Everton probably are going to United may tomorrow, but even if they don't, we're three points off fourth or two points off fourth, depending on what happens in the United game. So, you know, and still ahead of Spurs and Liverpool and Everton in the standings. So the one thing that we can look at is as bad as it has been, other teams have been worse. And with January around the corner, maybe there's a chance to fix it. I think we better leave it there, fellas. Um, once again, I want to thank James. Gunner Fanatic 49 is where to find him on Twitter. James, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Elian. And again, Paul can be found at Positive in My Pants at Twitter. Uh, Paul, again, thanks for. Thanks, guys. Yep. 
Yep. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, win on Wednesday, win next weekend, bring back the levity, and I can go back to making fun of Paul's um, Twitter handle. But until that time, we'll leave it there and uh, hope for better things in the future. Once again, you can find us at Arsenal Vision's website or on iTunes, and we'll talk to you Wednesday. Cheers. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. What's going on, everybody? This is Mac Wilds, one-third of the almighty guys next door. And if you're listening to this, we want you to be a neighbor. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, like, what do these guys talk about? What is that? Well, listen, we talk about everything under the sun. We talk about everything that it means to be a young millennial man in today's society, whether it's finance the type of condoms that you use, or how to deal with love issues, or lack of emotion. We talk about everything, and we go there, guys. We go there. We really, really have a lot of fun. So uh, if you guys would love to, we would love you to come on over, come mosey on down, you know, right past Sesame Street. We want you guys to come, come kick it with us. Come get some sugar. We are the guys next door. Peace. A-Cash recommends. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.